the more we can invite other user types into our conversations, even if they don't have a vested interest in a trail project or a community effort, you know, just keeping them and bringing them in and finding those common threads that you can all agree upon, you know, in the advocacy world, that's key. Like, Welcome to Trail Effect. I am your host, Josh Blom. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. Episode 119 features Aaron Kay and Mike Passo. Aaron is the executive director of the Professional Trail Builders Association, and Mike is the executive director of American Trails. We cover everything from the upcoming International Trail Summit to the millions of dollars that American Trails is giving away in the form of grants through the U.S. Forest Service by way of the Legacy Trails Grant Program. Cooley Creative is the title sponsor for this episode. They design and build custom websites and help companies with branding, photography, and e-commerce. Cooley Creative was started in Wisconsin, but is now based out of Bend, Oregon. Jared from Cooley Creative is a friend of mine. We've traveled together on multiple mountain bike trips, and sometimes he sends it. For more information about Cooley Creative, head over to www.dojustsendit.com. Yes, that's right. www.dojustsendit.com will get you to the Cooley Creative website, so check it out. One of my favorite articles of clothing this winter has been the Foley Zipper Hoodie from Kettle Mountain Apparel. This zipper hoodie is as functional as they come, yet offers the comfort of your favorite stuffed animal as a child. The people behind Kettle Mountain are mountain bikers, hikers, trail runners, and travelers. You can purchase the Foley Zipper Hoodie and all the other fine Kettle Mountain Apparel products at www.ketlmtn.com backslash Josh or hit the link in the show notes and you will also be supporting the Trail Effect podcast in the process. I'd like to take a moment to thank all the listeners and guests who have taken the time to share the Trail Effect episodes on their social media accounts such as Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, along with taking Trail Effect in their posts. This has helped a lot more listeners find the Trail Effect podcast. Please keep up all the sharing, commenting, and tagging of Trail Effect. I'd also like to thank all the listeners and guests who have signed up to be supporters of Trail Effect through Patreon. These actions mean a lot to me. Now on to the Trail Effect podcast with Aaron Kay and Mike Passo. Here we are today on Trail Effect. I have Erin Kay. She is the executive director of the Professional Trail Builders Association. And I have Mike Passo, the executive director of American Trails and former executive director of the Professional Trail Builders Association. And he's also a board member of the World Trails Network, a hub for the Americas regional network, which is part of what we're going to be talking about here today. So how's it going today, you two? Good. Great. Great. Thanks for having us. Oh, for sure. This is, this is definitely my pleasure. Let's start with Aaron and kind of get your backstory and how you became the executive director of the Professional Trail Builders Association. Um, yeah, so I got into the trails space in 2002 when my husband, Scott Lindenberger, and I signed up to be the Subaru Imba Trail Care Crew. So it was an immersive <laughs> experience. So we spent two years traveling full-time teaching sustainable trail building to volunteers and land managers. So yes, that was the start and worked at IMBA for a while and then kind of moved more into the nonprofit space. And then this is the perfect combination of my you know, passion for trails, consulting in the trail space, and then yeah, nonprofit management. That Subaru team thing is a, is a trend. There's a couple of other people that have been in that same role that have been on the show. So that's <laughs> a, that was a good program. I know it was like we, when we were at Invo, we were like, it's the best apprenticeship ever. You know, like you get to learn so many different, you know, pieces of putting, getting a trail on the ground, you know, working with the land managers, the volunteers, you know, the different um, landscapes. So yeah, it was awesome. Mike, let's get your backstory yeah. and how you became the executive director of American Trails. And oh, I, want, I do want to point out, I have this written down. Mike was also, he's also an alumni of the University of Wisconsin, which I have to point out because while they're not in Wisconsin, I'm in Wisconsin. So I'm actually in Wisconsin. Are you? Well. Where are you at? I just moved back. I'm in Marshfield, right in the center of the state. 
You're not too far from me then. I'm in lacrosse. Oh, yeah. Nice. The motherland came back to the motherland. Yeah, I guess just in terms of my background, well, first of all, I want to say that that Imba Trail Care Crew program, I don't think it's realized how big of a feeder of the trails community and how that just cranked up the notch, cranked up several notches, the trails community skill levels. And it's a program we miss desperately. I wish we could recreate it or bring it back or something. So any Subaru folks listening, we're interested in cranking it back up. I uh, started in trails, I guess I broke my back mountain biking back in the 90s. And uh, so I use a wheelchair now and I got into doing outdoor recreation trips for people of all abilities and universal design. And I got into assessing trails for accessibility and kind of helping land managers think about how to make their trails more accessible. And I started doing trainings and assessments all over the country. And eventually, you know, by doing trainings at the PTBA conference consistently, I had, I had started on my own sea kayak tour company um, out in Bellingham, Washington, and that's very seasonal. So Jerry Wilbur with PTBA was like, hey, you're not doing anything in the winter. Why don't you coordinate our conference? So I started doing that just to, you know, survive. And I got in the PTBA and really loved the group and the folks and got more and more into doing their conference. And eventually that kind of morphed into a full year round position and I was getting burned out on kayaking. So I I switched over to PTBA and all that time that I was with PTBA, I was on the board of American Trails, which is a national trails advocacy organization that advocates on behalf of all different trail types. So motorized, non-motorized, equestrian, even water trails. And then the longtime executive director of American Trails retired, and I thought, well, that'd be a, a fun position to have. So I, I applied and was lucky enough to get the position. That was about five years ago. And since then, I've been the executive director of, of that organization. Well, Aaron, let's go back to you quick. Give your elevator pitch of what the PTBA is. Yeah, the Professional Trail Builders Association. So it's the world's only association for the trail industry. So we have 119 private sector member companies who specialize in trail planning, design, and construction. So pretty much all everything that it takes to put a trail on the ground, that's where our members um, fall. Mike, you kind of briefly went into your elevator pitch of what American Trails is. Sorry, I, <laughs> I jumped the gun there, but... But basically, American Trails is is really leaning into more trails and better trails across the spectrum, and we're doing that. We're we really we went through a strategic repositioning, and we're now really focused on uh, working with PTBA and other agencies on on standardizing training and making training more available because the reality is. There just aren't enough people out there in the trails world to do all the work that needs to be done. So we need to build up our workforce. And we figure training's the first step. And I've been working with Aaron real closely on on developing that. So we're leaning really into training. We're also leaning into building a toolkit that can serve new and emerging or even existing trail stewardship organizations. So how can we strengthen those organizations? through insurance that's specific to trails, you know, getting data about their trail in a not too expensive manner and a whole kind of toolkit that can help them be, be stronger advocates for, you know, whatever group they're advocating for or, or, or uh, doing stewardship projects on land all over the country. Yeah. And that's a theme that comes up regularly in, with this show. In fact, we just talked about training quite a bit in the interview I just recorded before this one and how we just, there's just a huge need and a, and a desire to get more training, whether it's through higher education institutions that are bringing that on board or, you know, organizations such as American Trails and the PTBA. It's, it's a theme that's taking off and that's pretty awesome to see. Speaking of training, that's a big component of what's coming up here in Reno in the week of April 17th. And that's Reno, Nevada, which is home of former PTBA conferences as well. 
And so it's interesting. <laughs> I know I went to my about. first one there in 2003. I was just thinking, I'm like, it was 20 years ago where I like showed up at that conference. And it was like, what is this? There was this whole community <laughs> of trail builders. And in Reno, I, that part was a little bit of a shock. <laughs> but now the nugget is um, a little different than the Atlantis where we used to have the PGBA conferences. <laughs> It's a region that is really, I mean, there's a lot of regions that have really started to take off with trails, but that region specifically, there's a lot of, you know, historical trails there, but there's also a lot of new stuff coming online. And so it's a, it's a really good venue and location for that. But let's talk about, you know, what, what's happening at the conference, maybe give the pitch for the conference quick for those that might not know. And I think we'll let Aaron lead that one off and then we'll go over to Mike. Yeah. So we're, PTBA and American Trails decided to join forces as co-hosts for this conference. And we've partnered on our individual conferences over the years for a long time. But we really thought that, especially kind of coming out of COVID, we just want this to be a big event. And we also didn't want to compete, you know, like we have such aligned interests in so many, um, so much of our work. And we have been partnering on so many other projects, like Mike mentioned. But anyway, so it's going to be, we think it's going to be like 600 to 800 trail professionals who are going to come together in Reno. We have three and a half days of education sessions, like 140 topics that will be, you know, that people will be able to choose from. We have field seminars. We have some amazing plenary sessions. We're going to launch the North American premiere of World Film, which is going to be, we're so excited about that. And then we have a whole bunch of workshops after the conference as well for hands-on small group learning. And then new this year on Thursday, we're doing a full field morning. So where everybody gets transported out to a field site, we're going to have kind of the typical PTBA dirt demo with mechanized equipment, but we're just, you know, like everything with this conference, just expanding on that with layers of education and fun and networking. So you've been putting the conference schedule together and laying out all the concurrent sessions. What are a couple of concurrent sessions that kind of stick out in your mind that you're, you're excited for that maybe, you know, speak to your interests? Well, I guess I'll just say like some of the themes that we really tried to like amplify. One is kind of trails and economic development and the impact on communities and then we have some really cool international ones. Like we have sessions from Panama and Greenland and well, where else, Mike? Do you remember the other Brazil countries? Brazil and Jamaica. Yeah. So we have some cool international stories. And then like, as usual, there's so much in terms of partnership and collaboration, you know, those case studies that everybody can learn from. I heard there might be a bigger women's gathering too. Yes. We're going to do the women's gathering again. That was like such an amazing um, kind of. We just informally set that up in Bentonville and it just turned into this great session. So we're going to do it again. And, you know, that in Bentonville, we had like 25 women out of a conference of 300 who showed up. And so hopefully we'll have at least double that for this conference. Hopefully we can get that percentage closer to the 50% mark. I know that's a stretch, but that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get the American Trails take on, on the different sessions that are going on, Mike. What? Like, what kind of stuff are you looking forward to? And what do you, what are some areas that you think people really take away from this one? Yeah. Well, I think there's some amazing keynote, like the, the two keynotes we have are Koo Stevens, who's a, a young tribal member from the Reno area. And you, you talked about how Reno is just a hotbed of trails historically, and it, it really is. And I, I just want to, you know, kind of follow up on that a little bit, you know, the knee jerk reaction when people hear Reno's is casinos. And I, you know, I feel like we're always struggling against that. And there are casinos there. So if you like casinos, definitely come. But we're there because we're like 40 minutes from Lake Tahoe. And we're, you know, a half hour from some of the most amazing mountain biking and mountain trails you can imagine. And I think people don't realize that about Northern Nevada. It is a place of natural beauty and, and trails are so integral to the area that, that I think it, it really is a perfect place for us to join forces and to really launch a, a huge event. And by the way, I'm, I'm predicting 900 people. <laughs> so I have a little running, running gag with our staff that they're, they're conservative. And I'm like, this is going to be huge. 
but <laughs> yeah, no, we're we're really excited about it. And I think I think uh, Luther Props is also coming to really amplify that theme of of how trails can support community and rural economic development beyond tourism. Like everybody thinks about tourism as the way that trails can really build a a city, but the reality is in many ways it's it's much bigger than that. It's like keeping young people in a community because it's vibrant and active and and has things for kids to do and people to do and young people to do. And it, you know, for corporations, it draws people to an area. If there's a robust trail system there, you know, it's easy for people to to recruit talent to their industry. So all those things that you don't really think about, but trails can really build it and they can you know, solve obesity and health issues within your community and homelessness can be addressed. So there's just a variety of ways that, and we want to explore all those ways beyond tourism. Although tourism, tourism is, of course, a, a huge piece as well. I loved how when Luther was talking to us about like storytelling too and anecdotes, how like those, like telling those stories of like those transformational changes in communities. So really hoping to, um, you know, to have that be part of, you know, the whole conference. So a lot of times we want to just stick to those numbers, right? Which is easy with tourism to be like, oh, this many dollars, you know, but really thinking about those transformational changes in communities related to trails. Yeah. And the other, the other one kind of theme that I'm super excited about is the, is how do we take what happened with COVID and the, just the huge boom of, trail use you know 300 400 increases in trail use you've probably talked about it multiple times on your podcast but what do we do now to sustain that and to make sure that we're offering the trails that and inviting the use of a diverse new diverse group of people whether they be people with disabilities or people from you know inner urban areas and urban areas you know how do we make that invitation and how do we make trails be open and inviting to groups that have typically not been invited or feel safe or feel welcome on trail issues? So we're we're going to explore that in a variety of ways as well. And I'm super excited about that conversation. I was just going to say, like, just another theme that, you know, just as we're talking about the things we're most excited about and we'll just have too many um, to list is really like thinking about that next generation of the trails community and the trail professionals. And that's kind of been something that PTBA and American Trails have aligned on and have been working on together. And it's so important, like in terms of the PTBA side of things, like our companies can't hire enough people. Like everybody is hiring right now. There's not enough trained people. And so really having that as a theme as well. So we have like different higher educational organizations who are coming we're going to launch um, the Trail Skills Project, which is a project, you know, we've been working on together that Mike alluded to. Um, and just really thinking about how do we, like, inspire that next generation of trail professionals. Yeah, and that's a topic that, you know, like, I personally, like, try to, like, kind of struggle with the fact that, you know, podcasts typically don't reach a younger demographic, right? And so I've, you know, often wondered, how can I get this reach to younger people? So they can look at exactly what you're talking about with becoming a trail professional. And maybe that's, maybe that's digging or maybe that's GIS. You know, there's so many different areas where this industry is now becoming professionalized, you know, which maybe is a word that obviously it's in the name of the Professional Trail Builders Association, but gets, but gets thrown, thrown around kind of like Kleenex. But the reality is, is that it's, there's so many things coming online with planning and approvals and, and permitting and all the things that have to come together to make a trail reality. And so to get kids that are loving their rad new jump line that was just built maybe wherever to actually realize, oh, I can actually make a good living at doing this. Yeah, I get emails weekly from high school kids being like, is this a job? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's the same question I had when we started. I'm like, is this a job? I'm like, do you get paid? Is it volunteer? Yeah, we're really working on that. And part of it is, you know, your podcasts, you know, and like telling the story of the trail builders, you know, and how you get into it. But then also thinking about, you know, how do we reach that other demographic? And we're just working on our website and trying to like tell the stories, like give the resources, connect to the different, you know, the different career pathways. Like, how do you get in? There's so many. We tried to create like the linear, but there's nothing linear about the trail building 
industries. So just thinking about how do people, how do, how do you start, you know, or how do you take your advanced degree and start, or how do you take, you know, your volunteer experience and get in? So it's definitely a big push for PTBA because it's such a huge need. Yeah. And what are you seeing on your end with American Trails in that regard? I know you guys have like a job board on your website and you you kind of dive into that quite a bit. Yeah, we're actually, we're hearing it massively. Like we're, we're working very closely with the Forest Service and the Park Service and the Bureau of Land Management and states across the country. And all of them are just, you know, we don't have the staff to meet the needs of of our rec programs and our trails, you know, the, a lot of the forest service, you know, they used to be the leaders. They'd have crews going in every direction in the forest service and, and their staffing has just been shrunk and wrung out and, and tightened and tightened and tightened every year, even though we advocate for them to get more and more funding so that they can develop, you know, partnership, positions within the forest service to invite you know stewards and groups like ptba to the table to build their capacity you know it's right now they they just don't have that staff so so we see this you know beyond beyond uh, you know there's there's a need for volunteer stewards for sure but but we need some kind of a feeder into the the agencies and the professional organizations that really get stuff done and i think that feeder starts often in youth and conservation corps and volunteer programs so i i agree with you totally josh we need some way to connect with the young people and we're not there as a or we're as a community yet we're all very old and very white and <laughs> we need to start to make our feelers put out into into the other areas and i have this dream of we were actually talking with PTBA members about this, like a a reality show of trail <laughs> professionals. Like this is this is what it's like being a professional trail builder, and all the crazy stuff you see, and the, you know the crazy situations you get put in with tra- trying to get a trail through a ravine in you know the middle of Colorado. It's there's there's some really fun stuff and. And maybe that's a, an entree, or maybe there's other entrees like TikTok. I I hear I know, about we're, TikTok, we're starting and a I TikTok. have no idea. What yeah, that is. <laughs> you know. So we need people that'll get us TikToked and on TV. I think. <laughs> I was asking my daughter, who's 18. I'm like, okay, what's how do we do this? She's like, yeah. well, we need a TikTok. She's like, and you need to make sure you're if you do an Instagram reel, it's your first one's not lame. I'm like, oh no, that's too much pressure. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's, it's real. Like I listen to a lot of Gary Vanderchuk podcasts and talks and he's talking about, he's talking about TikTok all the time. And it's like, how, how do I, so how do I get an audio format into a visual format into something that, yeah. like you just said, isn't lame, right? <laughs> <laughs> So I, and my, it's funny cause my girlfriend is, she owns a, an HR staffing and recruiting company and they're now doing TikTok stuff and it's actually, they're actually doing pretty clever stuff. It's, it's pretty funny, but, and again, it's another industry. Like how do you pigeonhole that into a TikTok thing where you're going to reach, you know, a, a new, a younger generation. Right. At American Trails, we're going to try to have a, a video booth. Or at not American Trails at the ITS, we're going to have a video booth where we can start capturing at least some of the stories. I'm like, if we have all these people in one place, you know, at least we can like develop some of that video that then you know we can all use together to kind of get out there and tell some of the exciting parts of being a trailblazer, and then obviously like some of the dramatic parts, and hopefully not all the mundane parts. <laughs> and you're you're not alone there, Mike, too, with that dream of having a, a TV show because I've often thought that myself. That and how do you like? commercialized building to where you can make it a like burn boot camp type of thing where you can get people to pay to come out and get a workout, but you get trail built at the same time. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> well, let's go into one of the, another thing I've written down here, which is, it, this is part of the international trail summit is the world trails network. And this is something I'm going to ask to Mike, because I'll be honest, like I hadn't heard of the world trails network and the, the hub for the Americas regional network. Let's talk about what what that actually is. Yeah, 
it's not surprising to be honest that you haven't heard of it. It's a brand new organization. World Trails Network is a is an a global kind of American trails taken to the globe. And they've been around for years. Um and they do every two years they do a conference in a different part of the world. But then they've started this idea of of regionalizing what they're doing because they you know, with that type of a umbrella, it's hard to have impact locally. So they wanted to regionalize, and and I was invited to be on the board of the Hub for the Americas, which is obviously South, Central, and North America as a hub. And the idea behind it is to to act as a network for the for the Americas to to develop training and to develop best practices. They can spread up and down the Americas. And right now we're in, we're actually gonna kind of have a an official launch of the concept of the Pan American Trail Network, which you know is gonna be modeled after the the national trail system in America, like the Appalachian Trail. Uh, we'd like to, you know, bring together groups that are working on long distance trails and network trails throughout the Americas and, and work on connecting them thoroughly throughout the area. And I think that's going to be the primary, primary focus of our efforts over the next decade as we build our little fledgling. I think we have five board members, you know, we're tiny and it's all volunteer and, and uh, it's, you know, going to be, going to be a growing thing. And I think, them stepping in and being a partner in ITS is an, is a is our attempt to kind of announce to the world that it exists and also to start to make those connections that can build a Pan American Trail network. Yeah, that's that is super important. And there's a lot of a lot of work going on in 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 South America as well. We know some Ameri- uh, some builders out of North America that winter down there and and build in places like Patagonia, right? Yeah. In fact, one yeah. of those builders lives where I live. <laughs> Yep. I know they just got back from, <laughs> yeah, the projects in Patagonia are pretty amazing and also like kind of community changing. It's pretty awesome. And I think Jed Talbot, who we're talking about, you know, who's kind of heading up those projects, he's also on the board with you, right, Mike? He is. Yep. He's a, he's a relatively new member that we invited on. Excited to have him. And the other thing, like, you know, North American folks are doing great things down there, but the Brazil Trails Network has really taken a leadership role in South America, pulling in Paraguay and and uh, you know a variety Colombia and a variety of countries, and they're starting to form kind of a a really exciting group down there that that I think Jed is involved in, you know, in the in that seasonality, but but. Uh, there's some really great leadership coming out of South America as well. Looking towards the, f- the future, and this one's for Aaron, you guys just got done with a retreat for the PTBA. And I don't know if you can talk about everything that came out of that, but let's kind of talk about, you know, there's, there's a lot of, of pictures on the social media accounts, especially by people like Tony Boone <laughs> that have been plastering his Facebook page with, with the pictures. But let's, let's talk about that retreat. A show that'll come out before this show is with Jerome Palland you know, from Sentier Boreal, who helped, I think, put that retreat together. But what kind of came out of that one, Aaron, in terms of like the future direction of the PTBA or a potential direction that you guys are looking at going into? Yeah, it was awesome. We had three days here in Boulder. 11 board members came out for it. And it was, um, you know, like typical strategic planning. We had a lot of post-it notes, <laughs> but some of the focus was really defining who is PTBA and where do we want to go? Some of the key themes that, you know, were, you know, in terms of promoting quality and really making sure, you know, staying true to our role as the trade association for the trail industry, but also really making sure that member companies and the application process is transparent, but also and also um, really promotes quality, you know, so everybody who applies to PTBA has to submit a portfolio of experience letters of recommendation and have an existing PTBA member sponsor them. So we talked about, so there was like a lot of focus on the quality of our member companies and maintaining that. And then also thinking, how do we engage other, you know, trail professionals who aren't part of the private sector, 
you know, so talking about, you know, the trail skills project, which Mike and I have been working on in terms of the trail competency framework and the breakout of those skills, you know, so really creating a standardized language. And then kind of what we talked about, we were just talking about just amplifying like the industry, you know, um, when we were doing our big goals, like what's your big goal for this, you know, these three days at the very beginning, Willie Bittner, who's in lacrosse with you and who just came back from Patagonia was kind of like, I just want everybody to know that this is a job, that being a trail builder is a real job. <laughs> and so kind of thinking about that and, you know, our communications, strategic, you know, being at different conferences. So yeah, so kind of the different themes were, you know, the professionalization and quality, really thinking about, again, like that training and next generation, and then just amplifying the industry. So people know that it's a job. <laughs> yeah, both people that were looking to hire to get to fill those positions, but also people within, you know, the different agencies, especially like more on a local level that might not understand that Trail building really is a profession and I don't want to get thrown, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus or say this, make this sound negatively, but maybe something that shouldn't always be left at volunteers. Cause we all, I mean, we all started through this with volunteers and volunteers are great, but we don't volunteer build everything else in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just did as part of the strategic planning, we did a member company survey. So just really trying to see, you know, get, take the pulse of the membership. And one of the questions we asked was, how many years of experience do you have, you know, just to see, you know, and it was pretty amazing. It, I mean, it was more than the median was more than 20 years, you know, of people. So, you know, if you think about someone who's been doing something for 20 years compared to a volunteer, you know, it's obviously like not even apples to oranges. Yeah. I mean, you're going back to Reno for the first time in 20 years for this conference. I know. Oh, I must be old. <laughs> well, with that, there is another topic that I wanted to bring up that honestly, I don't know a whole lot about and I want to learn more about. And I think, Mike, you're the guy to share this one with people, which is the Legacy Trails Program. It's a federal program. And I believe you guys are administering it, correct? And you just administered your first round, which is a pretty extensive round of, of basically um, grants, correct? Right. Yeah. It is pretty exciting. It's something we're we're really both like freaked out about all of a sudden having to give all this money away and not really ever having done it before, but, but also just connecting with all these great groups all over the country, you know, finding out what they're doing. It's, it's really uplifting and really, really fun to do. I like, really like giving money away, oddly enough, <laughs> but we, so the legacy trails program is a, is a brand new program that the Forest Service actually created. So the Forest Service has a legacy roads and trails program that's in existence, has been for years. It's multi, multi-million dollar giant program. And the idea behind it is to improve watershed health on Forest Service land by decommissioning old logging roads and or turning them into trails that are sustainable or reconstructing trails or re, you know, doing the road to trail conversion kind of thing. So in the past, it was always led out by the forest. The Forest Service would apply to, you know, their own program and get money to do projects. But for the first time, Brenda Yankoviak with the Washington office of, of the Forest Service, she's the head of the trails program. She was able to pull some of that out and set it aside and and particularly give it straight to partner organizations. So nonprofits and cities and counties and and for for-profit corporation like trail builders could all apply directly and say hey we care about this trail on forest service land we want to promote this project and and do this construction so it adds to the capacity of the forest service because they don't have to you know basically create the program they're letting their partners do it and come in with their support of course and approval come in on Forest Service land and, and increase that Forest Service capacity. So it's super exciting. And we gave, we're giving away 1.5 million per year for the next five years. And we're hoping it'll continue beyond that. And we gave, we just recently um, finalized the first round, which was done really quickly. But we've got 30, I think 38 groups that we've we've funded projects around the country 
and gave away the full amount of money. A large portion of them actually are are small projects, so less than twenty thousand. And we did a few really great things. You know, a lot of times small stewardship organizations don't have the capacity to to do a lot of cash match. So we really pulled back the cash match requirements, made it twenty percent or less, and all of it could be in kind. So a volunteer hour you know, it was worth $28, something like that. And that that really made it something that, that the partners could engage in more easily without being kind of swamped with the need for having a huge, you know, bank account to, to cover cash match and stuff like that. So it's a pretty exciting program. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we're, we're going to launch it. We're going to do round two here again come this fall. So if you're working on Forest Service land, and have a trail that you love, definitely think about uh, looking into that for possible funding. And it's up to $100,000. And that that is only eligible for Forest Service land projects, correct? Because it's a Forest that's, Service funded program? That's correct. Yeah, we do also have a, a trail fund, a trail capacity fund that we're trying to build up. We, to be all, all, all honesty, it's been small, you know, 50,000 last year. We got another 75, and then we're looking to build that through other foundation support. So that would be all other projects outside of the Forest Service land. One thing with that, you mentioned the cash match, and this is something that comes up actually in a lot of different areas when it comes to, to grants, is especially, when it, especially with small communities, not even just nonprofits, but small communities that may be eligible for, say, some funding for a greenway or something else along those lines. But it keeps coming up that, you know, pulling some of that cash match out or figuring out other ways to get that cash match to that community so they can be eligible for this funding. How often, have, or how much more have you been seeing that kind of stuff kind of roll out? Yeah, that's a, we're, we're hearing that more and more. And we're actually thinking about how could we structure our trail capacity fund to have a portion of it, or maybe all of it, be specific to providing cash matches on LWCF for Great American Outdoors funding so that they, so the smaller organizations do have access to those bigger pots of money that are out there. There, I mean, there's a lot of money right now and out there available for trails, but it's not accessible to everybody. So we're thinking hard about how we could do that. And we're we're not quite there yet because there's some logistical like what if you say you'll give somebody fifty thousand but they don't get the grant then what happens and you're like oh my god I don't know what to do with that so we got to figure that out but I think it's something we can solve and I, I think it's a great need the other thing that I've heard that that just came down from the chief of the Forest Service is they for GAOA they're they're kind of pulling back their I, their re- requests for large cash matches used to be 50% cash match. And they're pulling it back and saying, you know what? The chief has said, you know, we're not going to focus on that. We're not going to do that. It's okay to pull those cash matches away or back entirely if needed. So that's a huge step that that'll allow people, especially access to the GAOA funding and, and things like that. Yeah. What have you seen along those lines, Aaron, as far as that kind of stuff for the PTBA side? You know, we're usually so, we're after the funding's already, you know, our companies get involved after the funding has already come through. Um, So a lot of it, you know, we've seen some of our member companies giving some in-kind support to help towards that cash match, you know, or to meet different requirements of the grant funds. Um, We've also seen a bunch of our companies who some of the funds come with a requirement or, you know, you get extra points or whatever using Youth Corps. So kind of that hybrid contracting model and trying to figure out how to do that best. But yeah, a lot of times we're we're brought in when the money's already secured and we get to just build the trail. <laughs> that is the easy side of things. I've often said <laughs> that once you get to actually digging, even though it's physically hard, all the brain damage has been done on the other on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess on the process side as PTBA, what we're working towards is really creating resources on putting together trail contracts, you know, and RFPs and just like, there's so many, we did a webinar with American Trails in um, a couple of years ago, where it's just kind of breaking down all the acronyms. We see a lot of RFPs that come through us 
where you're like, oh, this agency is not going to get what they want. You know, they didn't ask this. So just really trying to create those resources um, just because it just helps with the process. It helps everybody know what they're going to get on the ground or what they're asking for. So, yeah, we're working on that. Well, that and leaning into better planning and design. You're more, I shouldn't say better, more formalized planning and design. And so when, because you right now, I mean, I'm sure you see it every day. Trail Project A and Trail Project B might have the same intent, but are light years apart in terms of what the actual description of how to get to that endpoint is, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's been a big focus or a lot of conversations on trail planning and what goes into it and what goes into a master plan and what's the difference between a conceptual plan versus a field level design. So we're, you know, it's baby steps in terms of what we're doing to support it, but really even just getting those definitions out there. So when someone puts it together, you know, someone, a client, a land manager, or a private um, landowner puts together what they're asking for, they know what they're going to get. And the difference is. Yeah. It's a topic that I try, I try to bring up in almost every show because I think the plan, the planning is it's, it, you wouldn't go to build a house without a plan and you wouldn't go to a, a bank to get a loan, a construction loan without a a plan to build that house because the bank would look at you like, what are you actually trying to do here? Right. And a plan for that house or a plan for a trail. And what we're talking about is such a small percentage of what the actual final end product cost is, you know, but it, it helps with so many things, whether it's the environmental process through NEPA or whatever other regulatory agencies might be involved and, or just like the end user experience, you know, so you actually get what you're asking for. Yeah. And that big picture, right. To have someone come in and be like, oh, here's the big picture of what this could look like, especially with new trail development or, you know, existing trail redevelopment. Yeah. And then even just construction specifications, like this is, and part of it's working with the client to figure out like, what do you want? <laughs> you know, what kind of trail are we talking about? But then just even saying like, all right, we need to have these great revert this, you know, this number of grade reversals, or this is best practice, you know, in terms of erosion control, you know, all those things, just having it written out is definitely a growing part of our industry, that kind of planning side. And really, you know, as the industry professionalizes, it makes sense that that's a growing part of our industry. And it unlocks funding. Yeah. Can I just add on to that? I I feel like the thing that I see, you know, new, let's say, let's say there's you know, Bellingham, Washington got a raise grant and all of a sudden they have a $1.5 million to build this trail system. And the, 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 the thing that I see them, uh, situations like that, that don't work out well is when they, they just jump right into construction. Like you're saying, you have to plan, but I also think beyond just the, you know, planning and construction specifications, you have to spend a good amount of time outreaching to your community. You have to let them know it's coming. You have to find out what they want. You have to find, make sure you understand the types of users that are going to be there. And you're not always going to get 100% buy-in, but if you spend a, a good, solid effort, even talking to the people that are, that are working against you, you know, if they don't want that rail corridor to you know, get turned over into a trail. Well, okay, but keep talking to them. And that way it isn't a surprise. And then, you know, if you jump right in the just planning something that you assume is there and you haven't talked to the people around, you're going to get in big trouble and you're going to have to, you're going to get halfway done building your trail and the community's going to like riot against you and you have to go back and do it all over again. So I know we've seen that too many times. (laughs) Yeah. We have, even when it's, I I mean, I've came to the conclusion that some people are just against stuff to be against stuff. And so you're always going to have that, you know, minority of, of people, but then to weed through the process, like you're talking about Mike, to where you're actually like, yeah, we do have a, you know, a good percentage of this community is looking for these amenities. Right. Yeah. And if you're building the biking trail, reach out to the motorized community because you know, they're in many cases, they'll be supportive. They like trails too. And they'll say, you know what, I'll support this trail because trails are good for our community. And maybe next time the bike community will support my motorized proposal down the road. And, and they can support that because it's good for the community to have these broad spectrum of trails available. 
Yeah, and you just totally took me off on a tangent in my head with with a guest that I just had on recently, who's actually going to be a speaker at your International Trails Summit, which is Greg Williams from the Sierra Buttes Trail Stewardship. They've they've really pushed, you know, partnering with their motorized friends, especially with the Connected Communities Initiative, which goes from Reno to Downeyville. Yep. Yep. And so it's it exactly. is good to see that that type of cooperation happening. Mm-hmm. Well, Aaron and Mike, is there a topic that you two, either of you want to talk about that we haven't talked about yet for either of your organizations? And I'll let you go first, Mike. Well, I think the thing that I wanted to put forward was what I just did, that, you know, we're, we're very siloed in our trails community right now. And American Trails, you know, like I said earlier in the podcast, that we want to advocate and find the common messaging between all the trail user types, motorized and non-motorized. And we came into being specifically to bridge that divide because it used to be in the 80s that motorized and non-motorized were like battling against each other and hating each other. And I think that's changed. And the more we can invite other user types into our conversations, even if they don't have a vested interest in a trail project or a community effort, you know, just keeping them and bringing them in and finding those common threads that you can all agree upon, you know, in the advocacy world, that's key. Like if there's, if I go and see a legislator and I'm standing next to a motorized person and a, and a hiking you know, enthusiast, and we're saying the same things, you know, that trails are good for our communities. They, no matter what type it is, we want to develop trail systems that serve all the people in our community. And therefore we can support each other's efforts, even though we don't have that vested interest. I think that's, that may be Pollyannish in, in, in some communities, they'll be like, what? I can't talk to these guys. I hate these guys. You know, that's going to happen. But for the most part, I think we need to shift in that cooperation more. Well, and a good graphic I just saw on that note and staying on the Legacy Trails program was the pie chart that you put out of what what use type got what funding, right? That Mm kind of really graphically painted that picture. Right. Aaron, what would you like to leave us with? I guess I'll just leave it with, you know, just kind of going back to the International Trails Summit. Like the trails community is one of the best places to be. Like every time we get together, whether it was our small board meeting, board retreat this last February, the PTBA conference last March, and then this one, which will be International Trail Summit, which will be better. I think the biggest thing that everybody gets out of it, myself included, is just the power of all being together with people who love trails, want to get more and better trails on the ground, who are committed to quality trails. And it really is like such a unique space to be, to have a, an industry and a profession where passion is really the, the foundation for almost everybody you meet. So I'm really excited for Reno in April for that, especially. Good. That's awesome. That's, and that's so true. Everybody I talk to, especially about this uh, International Trails Summit, you know, they, they are excited about going. Or they are excited to see what comes out of it, the type of conversations that happen. And it's, it's awesome to see that. American Trails and PTBA have, have come together to make like a super conference of, of sorts, right? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to do it again in 2025 too. We've decided to partner again for 2025. This has been such a great, you know, win-win that we're working now on figuring out where we're going to be. And we're going to announce it at Reno. Yeah. You got to figure out the location two years ahead of time, huh? Yeah. Well. Everybody that's listening to this podcast heard it here first. There's going to be another one in 2025. (laughs) See, if you want to find out where that is, you need to come to Reno in April. Go to Reno. In 2023. (laughs) Well, Aaron and Mike, I really appreciate your time today. I know we all live, you know, we have a bunch of different things going on. And so to be able to carve out a little bit of time to to get your message out to all the listeners of the Trail Effect podcast, I really, really appreciate that. So thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Josh. It's been a pleasure. I hope you liked our conversation with Aaron and Mike. Links to the various topics discussed on the show can be found in the show notes. Our next episode will be headed back to the great mountain biking state of Vermont, where Mariah Kege, planner, designer, and co-owner of Sinuosity Flowing Trails will be our guest. If you like what you've heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. 
Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. Also, if you're new to the Trail Effect Podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. Please don't forget to leave a rating and review if you are a listener on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, as this is one of the best ways to show your support for the Trail Effect Podcast. Also, don't forget to check out Cooley Creative at www.dojustsendit.com. That's www.dojustsendit.com. I'd like to thank all the listeners and guests who have signed up to be supporters of Trail Effect through Patreon. These actions mean a lot to me. With that, the value for value concept is something that has caught my attention. If you find value in the Trail Effect podcast, you now have a way to provide value for that value via Patreon for Trail Effect. For additional ways to help support the Trail Effect podcast, check out the affiliates link on the Trail Effect website. That's www.trailfect.com, where you'll find links to Kettle Mountain Apparel, Worldwide Cyclery, and Trail One Components. By using the affiliate links found at www.trailfect.com, a small commission will come back to the podcast, which helps keep this thing going. This podcast has been edited and produced by Evolution Trail Services. Thank you again for listening. <laughs>